All right, we are back. What do we got, about 16 minutes here, Mr. McQuillan? Uh, closer to 12. Oh. Let us know that the theme with which we began this segment, the famous Lost in Space theme song from, well, a good theme song from a bad TV show, was in fact co- composed by the immortal John Williams. Something I only found out uh, a few months back, and I thought, God, no wonder it's so good. And it's rather appropriate, Lost in Space, for uh, what's happened to NASA in the past 40 years. By the way, I want to also thank uh, our correspondent, Donald, from Los Angeles, who alerted me to the fact that they were doing a live, uh, they were doing a broadcast on the History Channel, replaying those uh, greatest hits of Apollo 11. There's been some controversy over what Neil Armstrong said when he got down on the lunar surface. The quote that went around the world that day was, that's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Which, of course, makes no sense, because in that instance, man and mankind mean exactly the same thing. Various stories have circulated since then. It was that, uh, to the effect that Neil uh, either muffed his line or it wasn't picked up. I don't think he's sure in the heat of the moment. Donald pointed out that a very careful uh, analysis of the, uh, the, the audio track does reveal that there's a faint A there. So I guess he did get it right. He was misquoted. And the correct quote that should go into the book of quotations is, that's one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind. Forty years ago, we imagined by now we'd have a lunar base. You know, 2001 A Space Odyssey was, uh, you know, something we thought would be real. Unfortunately, NASA lost its way, and it went down the Richard M. Nixon path of the space shuttle. Currently, the space shuttle exists to ferry people up to the International Space Station, the, the great white elephant that orbits the Earth to no good purpose. Of course, the space station does exist, so there's a reason to have a space shuttle to go up and down. By the way, as Buzz Aldrin and others have pointed out, we, you and me, the taxpayers, spent $100 billion for the space station, about what we spent in today's dollars to get people onto the moon. A hell of a lot of good things came of of the mission to the moon, not the least of which was the fact that uh, defense corporations, which otherwise are busy themselves making bombs and airplanes and things to kill people, Instead, got, uh, got uh, involved in a peaceful engineering-slash-political-slash-scientific project. And I think, we would be universally, I think it would be universally agreed that we've never quite thought the same of planet Earth since the astronauts took photos showing the lunar surface in the foreground and the Earth behind it. It really gave us a whole different perspective on where we live, which was itself a wonderful byproduct of the Apollo mission. Actually, there were supposed to be uh, a 10 moon landings. Nixon canceled the last three, and Apollo 13 blew up. So only six missions actually made it. And unfortunately, although we should have set our sights to Mars, to again, if, no, if nothing else, uh, enroll those defense corporations in doing something peaceful... Well, that, that's something you can justify it right there. I must say, I must confess, that uh, this is one thing I have to do a little bit of liberal bashing on. Big fan of President Obama, but he appears to be decidedly unenthusiastic about uh, going into space. This is unfortunate. And if I can digress a moment for the, the biggest news story of the past week, which you haven't heard about probably, is the fact that uh, out at the fifth planet orbiting our sun, 
the mighty king of the planets, Jupiter, something very unusual happened a few days ago. The planet all of a sudden developed a black eye, first noted by amateur astronomers in Australia, and it appears that almost 15 years to the day after the comet Shoemaker-Levy smashed into the uh, Jovian surface, some other asteroid or comet has repeated that performance. The initial black mark, which, uh, which infrared telescopes revealed to be hot, is described as being about the size of the Pacific Ocean. Obviously, if whatever hit Jupiter had hit us instead, it would have been a bad day which is a compelling reason for why we need to have men into space. And I don't mean orbiting around and around the merry-go-round of the International Space Station. To, uh, to, to, to successfully counter the threat of some large object bashing into the Earth, we're going to need some, you know, Bruce Willis Hollywood-style crew to go up there and do what they can to divert it. Robots probably won't be enough. By the way, we like to refer you to the current edition of... Uh, Planetary Report, the official magazine of the Planetary Society. We'd also like to refer you to Planetary Radio, which is heard on KDVS every Friday at about 8.30. Former Radio Parallax guest uh, Bruce Betts has an article in there about how uh, large objects are smashing into the Earth and how we need to basically be aware of that. And uh, this is just another reason why we need to have an active NASA and an active space program. I mentioned liberal bashing a moment ago because uh, I just, you know, it, it is it, I, sad to say it is those of the liberal persuasion that seem to be uh, most unenthusiastic about this. I suppose if we hadn't spent the $100 billion uh, back in the 60s to land on the moon, we could have uh, bought a lot more cigarettes and dog food for homeless people or set up more, more programs teaching junkies how to dance or maybe hand out thousands of spray paint cans to knuckleheads to tell them to go up and mark up the countryside and call it art. I'm sounding like Andy Rooney, aren't I? And you kids stay off my lawn! But, uh, but seriously, it was, a, it was probably one of the great moments of my lifetime 40 years ago, and I think anybody who was alive then remembers the fact that we were on the moon. And I really want to thank Don for alerting me to that broadcast a few days ago, because unfortunately, that's one I missed. My mom and dad had elected to go to Europe in the summer of 1969, and I tagged along. In the morning of July 20th, about the time that they were supposed to be getting down on the moon, I kept breaking from breakfast to go in the next room and check Italian television. I remember checking as the first, uh, first food arrived, and the Pope, the Pope was holding a mass and blessing various candles and hopefully directing the prayers of Catholics toward the well-being of the crew on the moon. By the time I got back from my bacon and eggs to take a second look, I saw what looked like Buzz Aldrin kangarooing his way around the lunar surface. I was not pleased. Uh, so I was very gratified to be able to see the recreation on television the other night, which was, unfortunately, based on news footage, because NASA, it turned out, <laughs> took the original tape recordings of the event and, to save money, taped over them. And perhaps the most curious thing I noted about the news coverage on this was the fact that, you know, that, that one small step thing, that's not the first thing Neil Armstrong said when he got down on the moon's surface. He made a few comments about uh, the texture of the surface and some other remark or two, and then all of a sudden decided, oh, wait, I've got to say that momentous thing, which he then did, and which news reports have uh, been covering for him for 40 years since. We did have the chance to bring Buzz Aldrin on this program a while back. I'm sure he's busy right now. But, you know, in the next few months, we're going to see what we can do to, to bring him to you. Michael Collins, uh, the, the man who 
remained in the command vehicle orbiting the moon as, as Neil and Buzz were down on the surface is also, I understand, available to talk to us. Neil, he's hopeless. He has scarcely done an interview in the past four decades. And as Mr. McMillan uh, just said in the side, and no, no, that's not because he didn't go. Okay, the shocking moment for me, too, was to see a photo of an, of an aged man standing next to President Obama and realize, oh my goodness, that's Neil Armstrong. I think of him as a guy in his 30s, not this white-haired gentleman in his 70s. But to, to make a long story short, Buzz Aldrin is right, people at NASA are right, we need to set our sights on the moon and go there. But at any rate, Buzz Aldrin is right and the people at NASA are right, we need to set our sights on Mars and go there. There really is no compelling reason to set up a base on the surface of the moon. And of course, we love this topic, we will return to it, so I don't think we need to basically go on at too much greater length at this point. I do agree with people that uh, the day of the moon landing should be a national holiday. And just a parting shot to those of you who think going to the moon didn't change anything, I just got to say, you are wrong. It changed everything. When I was a kid, I think was, what was the world view was that we lived here on this planet and that above us, there was this thing, if you went up high enough, there was this thing called space. Once we went to the moon, we thought of ourselves as living on a planet. We really did get the perspective that like uh, Venus and Mars and Jupiter and the other planets that orbit the sun, we too were hurtling through space on a spaceship, planet Earth. And just finally, for all of those of you who think maybe we didn't go and they faked it, we would refer you to Phil Plate's website, badastronomy.com. As I pointed out in response to an email from Benjamin a few days ago, yes, we went. You can take it to the bank. The Apollo astronauts left three reflectors in the surface of the moon, which by using space-based lasers, we can estimate the distance to the moon with millimeter precision. And while it's true you can place such objects with robots, the Russians put two up there, the three that, uh, that are known to be there are in exactly the place where it is alleged the Apollo astronauts put down. If for no other reason than Occam's razor, that it's the simplest explanation for why there's reflectors there, well, we went to the moon, okay? Might be worth mentioning as we wrap up that uh, on our program about Philo Farnsworth, the man who was the inventor of electronic television, it was curious to note that in the last years of his life, he seldom watched television, even though he, you know, was there at the creation. If you missed that program, we refer you back to our website. Check, uh, check our archives for that one. To make a long story short, Farnsworth got screwed over by RCA and Robert Sarnoff and the legions of lawyers hired to screw Farnsworth. But it's always nice to note that uh, near the end of his life, when he did see, live from the surface of the moon, televised footage, he had to admit that all of his struggles and all of his difficulties had been worth it. Before we close, I do want to mention that there'll be a service on Saturday in Davis at St. James Catholic Church at 10 a.m. for a friend of mine, the late uh, Dr. Casey Daggett. I do want to talk a bit about his life and passing, but uh, not on today's show. We'll, we'll do that next week. But if you did know Casey, I, I hope you will attend the service this Saturday. I want to also thank Millie for sending us an email from the New York Times noting that there's been a mysterious absence of spots on the surface of our sun. We mentioned this a few weeks back. Uh, this, this is something that uh, happens every 11 years or so when you reach a solar minimum. 
sunspot activity goes down to an absolute minimum. Sometimes there's no sunspots for a while. This has been a very unusually uh, severe minimum in that there's been very few sunspots any, any days this year. We refer you to spaceweather.com for more data on that. And want to note that scientists in France, as we close, uh, have studied light from the star Tau Bootes to deduce that the strength and orientation of its magnetic fields show that the poles are flipping every two years. Now, our sun does it every 11 years, and that's in sync with the sunspot cycle. But for the first time, scientists have been able to deduce what the magnetic fields are doing on other stars. This may have some application uh, here on Earth as we learn more about the process and how to predict it better. And, of course, that is important for electronic communications because when we have solar flares and solar activity, there's sometimes hell to pay on the equipment like, well, like GPS and communication satellites, which we've come to rely upon. More advantages, by the way, from having gone into space. Our thanks go out again in closing to our past guests in this program, Bob Edwards and the one and only Walter Cronkite. CBS did announce, by the way, that his introduction to to Katie Couric on the nightly news will remain in place posthumously. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. On next week's show, we plan to speak again with our good friend Whitney, Whitney Lehman about the movie Food, Inc., as well as have a discussion about public enemies, or take it where we left off with uh, our friend Matt Perry. We might also try and get a word in from Sean Minton about 59-year-old guys almost winning uh, major golf tournaments. And we noticed a wonderful article in Mental Floss magazine about sound effects wizard Ben Burt, and we're really looking forward to... Uh, to talking to Mr. Bird on this program as well. And of course, as we've said many times before, we're going to get Bill Wellman Jr. on this program sometime next month. I swear to God. All right, we'll see you next week at the same time. And in the meantime, we suggest you follow the advice of uh, Jack Horkheimer, also known as the Star Hustler, and that you keep looking up. Here comes the sun. Here comes the sun, I say it's alright Little darling, it's been a long, cold, lonely winter Little darling, it feels like years since it's been here Here comes